Welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney to discuss another win. Manchester United are climbing the table. Um, first win away from home in God knows how long. First clean sheet in even probably even longer, in my opinion. Um, great to discuss a clean sheet and all things defensive side of the games as well. But um, I'll, two reasons Larry's on here. Obviously, co-host of the podcast, and I obviously need his opinion. But also, I was at the pub with the Man United Supporters Club last night. And whenever I'm at the pub, you know, you're talking, you're chatting, you're having a drink. You don't get a great detailed analysis of the game. So especially when we get to three, two, ones, no one can take my opinion seriously on this because I don't have a great grasp of exactly what happened. So Larry is on here to tell me his thoughts on the game. And if you are in the live chat, do get your thoughts in as well because I definitely will need a lot of help. Um, my main takeaway from the match was I love Lissandro Martinez and Bruno Fernandes scored the match winner. That's as far as my analysis does go on this one. But Larry, first things, um, how are you keeping? And also, um, Man United didn't ruin the weekend. They didn't ruin the weekend, and I can pretty much answer two questions in one there, Tom. You're always happy when United win on the weekend because they have the capability of ruining things pretty smart, uh, and then your Sunday is just sitting in bed crying. But credit to United. Uh, just on the performance itself, I've got to say the most pleasing aspect, kept a clean sheet. I can't tell you how many – like you hear the commentators, they've been banging on that drum. United's first clean sheet away from home since December last year. It's a really long time. We're on the verge of September. So I think it was really important and really pleasing to see the defensive unit. It was probably, yes, sometimes you have a clean sheet, but you see the opposition have a heap of threats, a plethora of attacks. I How many times has David De Gea made on that show over the years with like 15, 16 saves? Exactly. And I thought it was the most assured performance I've seen from a United side as a unit, crucially. Uh, in a very long time. So really pleasing science for Eric Ten Hag. Well, we'll get into all things um, performance, Man United and everything sort of around the Premier League. But I'll just say good day to some people in the live chat. Steve, um, Ozzy Gunnar, got to see him last night, the one Arsenal fan in the pub. Um, he accompanied the football capital um, there. They filmed some good content. So definitely um, keep an eye out for that. But um, it was great to meet Steve, really lovely guy. Chris, good to see you as well. Um, the butcher obviously is turning himself into... A cold hero. Rob um, here has broken his curse at Scruffy Murphy's coming out to watch United and get the three points. Adam, good to see you, mate. Evening lads disappointed. Couldn't make it to Scruffy's last night. Looked like a great turnout. I'll touch on Scruffy's at the end because it was a, a brilliant night, but we'll discuss that towards the end of the podcast. Justin, good to see you last night. Great turnout last night. Three points in the bag. I'll actually have to look at the ladder now. Obviously, I know we're going to be nowhere near the top, but um, at least we've got six points now rather than zero points, which was a real possibility a couple of weeks ago. And George here, g'day lads, was going to come last night, wasn't feeling too good. Well, I hope you are feeling a little bit better now. I'm sure Man United um, has improved your uh, mood, mate, but I hope you are well. Um, Rob here, not the greatest performance, but this win was just as important as the Liverpool game. I'll go a step further and say it's more important. Now, obviously, in terms of we'll remember the Liverpool one in uh, a year's time. We won't remember this Southampton one, but yeah, it would have that Liverpool performance would have meant absolutely nothing without a result against Southampton. And sometimes you do need that sort of comeback, sort of crashing back down to earth and have that performance where Liverpool was so positive in regards to the way we played and obviously the result. Sometimes you're never going to back that up against when your your motivation level should always be high, Larry. But going off that high against Liverpool, now to come down to play at Southampton on a lunchtime kickoff in that horrible green kit where the players can't see each other, in my opinion, sometimes it's going to be a dogfight. I've heard Scott McTominay talking about an interview. Sometimes, yeah, you're going to get performances and days where you're not at it and you need to fight, and that's exactly what they needed. You're never going to, I don't think carry on while we wanted the carry on and continuation in performance. It probably wasn't going to happen. Um, there was a big come down after that Liverpool match. 
Of course. And not just that. I mean, ultimately, there are two sides in a game of football, right? And I thought Southampton set up quite well. They, they pressed United when they wanted to press. They noticed which players are weaker on the ball. I, I think they made a good point of... I've seen some criticism around McTominay's performance. I mean, United identified he's obviously not the stronger in terms of progressing the ball. So Ericsson's the one who tucks in. So this criticism of, oh, he's only completed 18 passes or 30 passes, irrelevant to me. I thought his performance was really good. Um, but ultimately, Southampton played well. United got the goal, and they get the result. And even if, and you said it in our preview, you'll take a, a, a scrappy goal in the 90th minute. Ultimately, if you're getting three points, that's premiership winning form. Not going to say we're going to win the league, but I haven't seen that type of performance from United in a very long time. Well, it wasn't. A, you're completely right, but it wasn't a scrappy goal. We'll get into the goal. It was actually a beautiful goal from, from sort of back to front and obviously the good finish by Bruno Fernandes, who needed the goal as well because obviously he's, if he doesn't pr provide those assists or goals, we do question what he does bring to the team in regards to football. So he definitely does need to bring those. But um, Borja here, Football Capital, did film some good content last night. There was one um, video, I'm sure, come out in his video when he does upload it in regards to... Would have been in the first half. We had about three or four chances in the space of five seconds, and now uh, that the the reaction in the pub was oh, it was unbelievable. Make sure you are subscribed to the Football Capital, and um, yeah, that will surely be out um, quite soon. Ashby, good to see you, mate. Last last night, great night at the pub, and great result on the pitch. So, Larry, we'll start as things go. Um, when we always start the match reviews, start in eleven. We all said, yep, Casemiro's going to start. Of course he's going to start. Yep, McTominay out, Casemiro in. Maybe even Ronaldo for Alanga, but you can understand maybe the front three staying. An hour before kickoff, team news comes through. And I don't think it was met with negativity. I, I never really sort of lose too much sleep over the team announcement in terms of, I think, okay, it's the manager, he's putting it out for a reason. So I never get too worked up over it. But I think that people were a little bit frustrated with um, not seeing Casemiro in there. Do you think, now ultimately it proved the right decision because we got the performance or we got the result in the end. So Eric Ten Hag can say, yep, I got it completely right. But before the match, what were you thinking? Do you think he was right to go with the winning team and reward them for their good performance and good attitude against Liverpool? Or do you think, hang on, this was a bit of a risk. If you do have that tool in Casemiro on the bench, um, you might as well use him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I personally benched Casemiro, and obviously not because of his talent or his pedigree in, in the game, but I just thought this guy's been in tra He's probably completed two training sessions with the side. He needed time to settle in, particularly in a... Ten Hag is a very systemic coach, what I would call a systemic coach. He has a set philosophy. He likes things to be organized with and without the ball. And I just think Casemiro, obviously a very intelligent footballer, Tom, but I think it would be a big ask to ask someone to fit in, particularly in such a crucial role in midfield in the terms of how we're setting up. Um, I, I didn't disagree with it. I like the setup. I have to say, though, you have to raise eyebrows at Ronaldo not starting. Um, I think in hindsight, he probably could have. Rashford up front in this type of game, I just he was ineffective. Yeah, it's interesting. And you, you mentioned Southampton in regards to their performance. They performed quite well by their standards is when, okay, Liverpool are going to press high. So you could understand, okay, having that pace of Alanga Sancho and Marcus Rashford up front, you could see even if Ronaldo was fit, you could see in a big game why you would go for that option. Now, it was Southampton, obviously, before the match. Do you think they're going to park the bus or do you think they're going to have a go? That would have been a risk. Eric Ten Hag would have had to weigh up himself. But he's gone thinking maybe Southampton are going to have a go at this and not really park the bus. But in terms of the way the, the game did pan out, it almost felt, and not to be critical of Marcus Rashford, and not to say Ronaldo should have played, but I'm saying it almost felt like the first game of the season 
when we played without a striker. And like it's very simple. But we yeah. sat here and said, it looks like we're playing without a striker. And I just felt those times where Diego Delo and Malassia were on the ball and you think, oh, God, it's, if there was a little bit of focal point up front, it would have made things easier for the one the person on the ball and maybe the people in midfield. But at the moment, it was very, I wouldn't say predictable, but if we're going to hurt um, Southampton, it was going to be with the ball in behind. We never had two options, uh, whether it's sort of play it short into someone's feet, that wasn't an option with Marcus Rashford up front. That's not to be critical of Marcus Rashford, just in terms of the style of the game. Um, it wasn't quite working. But is there anything else in regards to that, in regards to the lineup that was not surprising? But um, obviously, I think a good thing was Luke Shaw um, staying on the bench for Malassia. I think Malassia, that was the big one, I thought. Like, had a good performance. Maybe he, he's sort of going to um, sort of be slowly introduced. But um, Eric Ten Hag was, I think, fully correct in rewarding him with another start. Yeah, I'm with you. Can I ask you on Harry Maguire before we get into performances a little bit? I just, have you seen Ten Hag's comments every time he's asked about Maguire? He seems to go two feet in for me. Um, particularly, I, I can't, I think it was pre match, Tom. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ten Hag got asked a question around um, Maguire not being selected. And Ten Hag commented to the effect of, well, it's hard to get into the side when you have players such as Rafael Varane. In the squad, yeah, no, no, I think that, and you're probably right. I and a lot of the things with Eric Ten Hag, and we've seen this with Sky Sports, we've seen this um, with the way that the narrative around Eric Ten Hag and his introduction to English football has come about. In terms of a lot of things, potentially get lost in translation, and so, so we pick up on things. I, I do see that. I don't see that as too much of a dig or criticism at Harry Maguire. I think he's just very sort of praiseworthy of what he is using. And Lissandro Martinez, he obviously rates extremely highly. Rafael, he's walked into Manchester United and has potentially one of the greatest defenders of his generation in Rafael Varane there, who's won the lot. I think he goes, hey, I've got unbelievable players here. Harry Maguire, okay, you're not unbelievable. You might be a good player. Good players don't get into this back four at the moment. You need to have the status of a Rafael Varane or the warrior-like spirit of Lissandro Martinez. So at the moment, look, take away the wages, take away the armband. If Harry Maguire is your third-choice centre-back, it's a different option at centre-back, eh, that's okay for a squad. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I just wanted your opinion in terms of Ten Hag's comments. But I think um, it, it will be a challenge of Maguire's character, I suppose. I, it's it's the first time where, I mean, fans have been calling for him to be dropped for the best part of nearly 12 months now. But in terms of the Englishman himself, he's never been in this position where he's had two games consecutive benched yeah. um particularly since he's been captain it's definitely going to be a challenge of his character so i don't I'm, see I'll be it. interested to see how he bounces back look you're completely right and this is a discussion about harry Maguire. whoever we have the discussion about if it's ronaldo on the bench rashford or harry Maguire. okay it's a discussion about that person but this is met with so much criticism or abuse or praise if you if you like the player at that player the discussion i want to have around harry Maguire being on the bench eric ten hug that's where my pro, okay, it could be saying Harry Maguire deserves to be or doesn't deserve to be. My discussion wants to be about Eric Ten Hag, and he's been brave enough to make that decision, which will sort of criticise managers in the past not being able to do that. Not only to Harry Maguire, but obviously to Ronaldo two games in a row as well. So, okay, that's a discussion about Ronaldo. Does he want to be? He doesn't. Does he make us better or doesn't he? Eric Ten Hag is putting his balls on the table and making big decisions, and that is where I think the discussion should be rather than the individual players themselves. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you for that point. But um, Sully here saying, good to see you last night as well. I just tuned in. Great to get the three points last night. Nice to meet a few of the lads in the chat as well. Um, George here, why pay big wages for someone on the bench? You can um, get a Billy Bob who can develop into a team. 
it's hard if I always go back and I, and I look at a Rafael Varane and Casemiro and you look at that team, um, obviously Ronaldo as well in Real Madrid. We talk about, yes, we can't have these players on the bench earning big money. Go look at every team that wins the Champions League. Look at their bench. Their whole bench is better than our first team. Like In order to be successful, your bench needs to be absolutely a world-class starting 11 in its own right. Now, I'm not saying Harry Maguire is a world-class sort of starting 11 type player, but you do need that. It's frustrating because you think, oh, well, we wasted money, but ultimately to be successful, you do need that quality. And um, sort of squad depth on, in the bench, on the bench, I should say, Adam, he's saying our defence has never looked this solid with Maguire and play Maguire in the cup games, keep him away from Premier League games. This is a, a, definitely along my line of thinking at the moment. And Chris, he's benching the English captain. That's the issue in the media. And obviously in terms of the way things are reported, um, yeah, that is definitely a thing. It'll be interesting to see England's next international squad, um, what the situation is around Harry Maguire. Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford, but is there anything performance related or before we get into three, two ones and everything or anything sort of moments in the match that did stand out for you? Um, Martinez's intelligence. I think we're all attracted to his warrior like nature, which is completely accurate. He's combative, he's passionate and he gives a hundred percent. The thing that I like about him, Tom, forget his height. I mean, this guy just reads the game so well. Reminds me of Daily Blind, uh, obviously different players. Um, Martinez probably a bit more pacey and a little bit more mobile. Um, but in similar in the sense of Blind, no one spoke about his height because he read the game so well. And I think Martinez actually reads the game really well. He doesn't get caught one-on-one in terms of the big physical striker. And he had a physical striker against him. Um, but he handled it well because he reads the game. He anticipates well. And he clears everything. He gets his head there. He gets his feet there. And if there's a 50-50, he's competing. Uh, so credit to Ten Hag. I think we'll link to Timber earlier on in the transfer window. And then we started seeing the links to Martinez. I think seeing the way Timber's behaved in the media and then seeing the way Martinez is on the pitch, United uh, definitely got the right one. It'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll look definitely falling in love with Sandra Martinez. It'll be interesting. We'll get into three, two, ones in a little bit. So make sure you get your thoughts in the comments on who does deserve those points. Oh, Just I'm before we get in there. Answer. Can I ask you a question on uh, Jaden Sancho? Um, Please. Are you, are you concerned about his level of performance um, in these lower block sides? I just... I just wonder, as a modern-day winger, and I know I've spoken to you about this, just if you think of the modern-day winger in the Premier League, outside of Manchester City... Does he give you enough? Is he? I know he's a good, tricky player, very technical player, but does he need to add a little bit more? I just does. It, I'm just thinking, like as a wide I player. I, I understand. Uh, I see where you're coming from. I do see that, but no, it's not not a worry for me. Like he, he's he's got such quality now. I think it's one of those ones where if he performed better, it would look okay. At the moment, I think he's just not performing to his standard. I don't think it's anything to do with his stylistic sort of approach to his play or any of the attributes he has, I just think at the moment he might not be playing as good as he can. If he's playing that same style to 100% of his ability, he'll look brilliant. And I think that is where the thing... Now, yes, there is definitely an argument. Okay, what does he suit? Does he suit somewhere else on the pitch? Right, left, central? They're all obviously valid discussions. But at the moment, I think it's just a case of not to be critical of him. He just needs to play a little little bit better. And I'll, I'll say that in saying he's not playing bad. It's just, I think, when he's at the top of his game, I don't think it is a discussion when he's not quite at it or his opponent is having a good game, I think, yeah, those, not limitations, but sort of traits to his game do get potentially exposed, especially when you do see the best in the world in those positions, sort of offer traits that he potentially doesn't have. But just before we get into three, two, ones, um, David De Gea, the save under air. Rob here puts up there. We'll discuss him before we went on air. What have you made of him in the last, well, you can say the last two games in regards to 
the Liverpool match, and especially this one, two obviously different approaches, um, is obviously coming for criticism, and rightly so at times, but obviously it does look like Manchester United is going to sign Dubravka on loan from Newcastle. I don't know if that's potentially going to be made permanent at the end of the year. I'm sure we'll get a couple of details. There's only a couple of days left in the transfer window. But what would you make of David De Gea there? Because here we are talking about the back four being so good and Martinez and Rafael Varane, etc. Is David De Gea a part of that or is he just sort of doing his thing in goals and it's not quite, you know, that back five partnership? I think last season, and this is our criticism as well, criticism of, of us, we gave a lot of three points to him. And yes, he did save us a lot. I will look, and now that we can actually win a game in difficult circumstances, I will counter that with, he is a good shot stopper. In fact, he is a world-class shot stopper. But if you look at the way goalkeepers have evolved, it's clear he's got limitations to his game. He's not going to be the progressive sweeper fullback who can ball play. That, that's not that's not De Gea's game. I think he will serve us well this season. And like Rob said, underrated save. It was a brilliant save and at a crucial point in the match. Because if United can see there, I don't think we have the confidence to come back. But in saying that, he's got limitations. And I think long-term, United will look to upgrade or replace De Gea. Yeah, no, it's definitely... And look, we're going to be having a huge discussion around the goalkeeper in a couple of days' time when Dubravica does come in. And if he plays his first game in the League Cup and we play beautiful football out of the back, um, it does put a pressure on De Gea. Now, that's a good pressure, obviously. We, the players do need competition. Um, before we get into 3-2-1s, Justin here saying shout-out to Ericsson's vision, those long balls and um, switcher play. We're going to do a Leicester preview, our next game um, later in the week, Larry. At the moment, Casemiro, you would think, will come in. Who does yeah. he come in for? In regards to, okay, Ericsson's better football than um, Scott McTominay, but in terms of what Eric Ten Hag will want in midfield, in terms of getting the result and getting the sort of job done, who's more, I wouldn't say at risk in a bad way, but a McTominay, let's say Fred and McTominay in that, in that role, or a Christian Eriksen? Because at the moment, like, as... as they're not similar, but Ericsson and Bruno, you can kind of say a very similar style of play or trying to do the yeah. same sort of thing. So is there a risk where, not a risk, but where Ericsson is potentially the one who misses out when Casemiro comes and we all think it's going to be McTominay or Fred, but it might actually be someone higher up the field. I think it'll be McTominay. I just, in terms of the role that both those players offer aside, I think Casemiro is the clear upgrade on McTominay. He needs that ball player in the deeper position. And I, I, of course, ideally, I think he'd have Frankie de Jong there. That's not going to happen, uh, at least this transfer window. So he needs someone. It's clear. I mean, from game one, he's had Ericsson playing in that deep pivot position. So I just think that he clearly wants a ball player in there. He doesn't mm -hmm. trust Fred and McTominay to do that job. So, I mean, if and then if you've got Casemiro in there, I don't think McTominay's quite got the ball playing ability uh, so I, I think he will go with Ericsson and Casemiro. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't disagree with that. I just think um, it is interesting in regards to, I think we're almost, in, in my mind, I'm putting Ericsson and Bruno in the same category as one player and Fred and McTominay in the category as one player. So it will be interesting to see how that does shape up. But we will get in the 3 2 ones. but Borja here from the Football Capital, who let the Aussie Gunner in the pub, um, the same, as um, Emad here points out, um, they're probably the same blokes who let the Scousers in. There was a guy in a Mohamed Salah shirt, which um, I thought was an absolute disgrace, but um, thank God he had nothing to cheer. Well, thank God the Liverpool match was on after because thank God we didn't go into the pub knowing that they had 1-9-0. Bournemouth should be absolutely ashamed of themselves um, in regards to that. But we'll, we'll go on to 3-2-1s, Larry. And as I said, I do need help with this because I'm just going to say Martinez for the sake of it. In regards to performance, um, I can't give a great sort of analysis. So do get your thoughts in the live chat on who you think um, is worth 3-2-1. And as I say, if you are new to the podcast, 
it's not just man of the match. It's not just the best performance. You do have to weigh up. Now, I'm not saying, Larry, you can sort of disagree or agree. Bruno Fernandes at the end of the day, match winner. Or David De Gea, big save at the end, which saves us two points sort of thing. So um, those are the ways sort of we do value these three points. So I'm just going to give my two cents at the moment. I thought, from what I remember, Malassia showed a lot of energy, and I thought he was fine. Um, obviously, Martinez... Up front, I didn't see anything really up front. I thought Diego Delo, I don't know if it's just because of the assist that stands out, but I thought he was quite solid as well. But um, eventually, okay, 1-0 victory. I am looking at the back of the pitch in regards to those defenders and goalkeepers. Yeah, I um, I think Justin's hit the nail on the head there. Martinez 3, Bruno 2, Malasia 1. I think the one point could go to, like you say, I think Diego Delo could be a shout. Uh, I, I think with the Portuguese, he... He still lacks a bit going forward, which is really interesting because the criticism with Wambasaka and Delo was he's better on the ball, mm. etc. But I think Diogo needs to have a better delivery overall. Great cross, but in terms of that whipping ball in that's actually dangerous and allows a striker to get their head head on the end of, he needs to work on that. But um, yeah, I'd be going. I think Martinez three points is an easy one. He, his head was everywhere. His feet was everywhere. He's He's just a competitor. He's, and what an improvement in our defense. I mean, speaks for itself. Clean sheet. I can't remember the last time we got one of those. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, Bruno scores a, a great goal. Yeah, I think I go to that Bruno goal. And look, everyone in the chat has got Martinez for three points. You've obviously alluded to it as well. So I'm happy to go Martinez for three points. But in regards to yeah, Bruno's impact, well, you've, you've talked about Harry Maguire and sort of Ten Hag's comments around Harry Maguire, well, not so much around Harry Maguire, but Varane and how he read into that, into the Maguire situation. Here I am, and I, I stand by this um, sentiment, and I've had this since the day Bruno Fernandes arrived. I think he's a great leader. I think he's got real leadership qualities. I don't like him as captain. Not I don't like him as I don't want to see him as captain. I, I look at the Wayne Rooney situation in regards to that he's sort of really? taken away from his game, and I just really? look at Bruno Fernandes. I, I thought it took away from Wayne Rooney. Well, he's got the armband two games running with one. No, 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 no. I no, think my... he's put on his best performances in a while in both games. Yeah, but, but, but I take it back. At the, the moment, we're winning. Yeah, but at the moment, we're winning. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a time where we're not winning games. And I look at myself as a player, which I've made this point before. If Bruno Fernandez starts telling a player what to do, when Bruno Fernandez has been making that same mistake 10 times worse, I think that is where the potentially cause friction. Now, at the moment, things are rosy. We're playing well. We're playing good football. We're scoring goals. It's all good. There's going to come a time through no fault of anyone where we're going to lose games. And I just think him as a captain there, I don't know if he is the greatest example. Now, again, I think he has great leadership qualities. I think he is a leader. I just think with the armband, it just adds... Yeah, I can see um, potential frustrations amongst the squad on the pitch, not so much off the field or any views towards him. But um, that, that's where I do see someone like a potential, maybe even a Rafael Varane who... Um, the manager spoke quite highly about and he's obviously in that leadership group, which he has mentioned. I take your point, and uh, I just don't know if Iran's the most vocal player. Oh, yeah, I'm, think... I'm not saying Iran's the ideal candidate. It's just I don't and think I can't Bruno be De Gea is... because I don't think De Gea is going to be here next season. You know what no one's talking about? Doesn't De Gea have one year left on his contract? Anyway, I don't want to – let's stay on course. Let's stay on course. Um I disagree, mate. I'm sorry. And I know you and I have disagreed on this for a, a good little while. I actually think Bruno, I, I, as a player, if I was playing behind him, I, I actually would not be as frustrated because, like, I mean, his whole role is to create. He's given the license to create. Now, if he was a number six giving the ball away the way he does, yeah, I think we'd be having a different conversation here. But when you're asked to create and then you're losing the ball, 
I mean, no one had this argument about Messi when he was captain and he lost the ball more than anyone in world football when he was at Barcelona. So, I mean, I just think that that argument's redundant. I take it. I just think, I think your opinion would change the moment we drop points. The moment we have a bad performance, oh, I think your opinion would change there. It won't. I mean, I'm clear cut on this and I would... I understand what you're saying, but the other side of this argument, Tom, is there's no clear, obvious choice. Yeah, no, I understand and that. Wild. And I'm not out of all the candidates. One of my candidates I would throw forward is Bruno Fernandez because of the lack of other candidates. And that's the problem. So, yeah. I mean, he's the best out of what we got, and there's no clear. You know what? If Ronaldo wasn't pushing for an exit, I think he would have been captain. And I think there would have been a good shout for him to be captain. But that that window's... Um, well, that, that, that was the... I think a lot of people were on that train of thinking this time last year in terms of... Well, not this time. It's probably about now that he did sign. But last year when there was the concern around Harry Maguire, a lot of people were saying Ronaldo. But now the situation has obviously changed around him, both his future and obviously his place in the team as well. Um, it will be interesting. But there are... Look, a lot of chats flying. I've got one for you, Tom. i got one for you. If... I want you to think 12 months down the line. I think there's a shout for Martinez to be captain, you know. Yeah. yeah if no, he wasn't it's a new a, United player, he's yeah. got everything to be a captain. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. But we did that now. I'm not saying Martinez and Harry Maguire are the same thing, but in terms of when Harry Maguire came straight in, he was given the captaincy. You have to learn from that. Okay, you need Martinez to come in, find his feet. Yeah, even 12 months, maybe even two years down the line. Maybe a future captain. I think we do need, do need to be a little bit sort of steady and composed in regards to that debate. But there are some... I'll just back on to the 3-2-1s. Um, Sai here saying Delo for two points, Bruno for one point, De Gea getting a point here for Rob, Sully here, Diego Delo as well. And look, there are a heap flying in, so apologies if I don't get to them all, um, but do appreciate all the input. I think there will go Martinez for three, Bruno Fernandez for two, and um, I'll give you the deciding point to um, for the single point. I'm going to upset somebody. Delo gets the assist, but I mean, I think... I thought I thought it was a pretty straightforward cross, to be honest. I mean, I'm going to go Malasia. I, I just like the way he plays. I think he's added something um, that Shaw obviously didn't. And, so and that's what I think. Play. And I think you will have a discussion at the Liverpool match. And I think you disagreed with me. I don't, I don't think I made my point today exactly as I wanted to. Just in regards to the the result of a performance in regards to how he's defending and the result of a pass going forward or the result of a, a cross into the box from Malastra and Lickshaw, I think at the moment has been very quite similar play in terms of, okay, they're playing the same pass and they're making the same tackle, they're winning the same header. I just think the energy that um, Malassia brings, it's contagious to those around him. And Luke Shaw just sort of standing there, just sort of trundling forward. That that's also contagious and that can sort of sort of slow the pace down of a game. But I think what that energy that he does bring while they're resulting in the same performance, the energies, as I say, it's spurring players on around him. And I don't think Luke Shaw does bring that on that left-hand side. Agree 100%. And he's lost his spot as a result. And I think he's got a hell of a fight to save his United career. Yeah, definitely. Maybe this is something we can look at. Sully here bringing in might need to start running a poll for these three two ones. I think especially for these close ones. But they are good problems to have. I remember well, the first two games of the season, we couldn't do points. Or the the four 0 we couldn't do points, so it's, it is always a good headache to have um, when the team is winning and performing well. Anything else sort of football related or Man United related we want to touch on before we start to wrap up, mate? Is have we seen the last of Ronaldo? I guess yeah, that's no, my closing question to you. 
get your comments in. Is as Ronaldo played his last game? That's two matches. He's not played a whole heap of football. And Ten Hag's comments post match. Something's obviously in the works. He, I hope he stays. Nothing definitive. Oh, look, it's been in the works for over a month now, over two months. So there's Where definitely something there. Are the latest links with Napoli? Is that his final hope? That sounds like agent talk for me. Uh, n- not even from um, Ronaldo and Mendes' side towards Napoli. I think that does sound like the, they want 100 million for that striker they do have. So, which makes no sense for business wise for Man United to. But it's an interesting one. But yeah, in the live chat, do let us know your thoughts on the Ronaldo. Not what you th- want to happen. Do you think he's no good or do you think he's good? Not what you want to happen. What do you think does happen now with only a couple of days in the transfer window to go? Now, deals can get done very quickly. However, I don't know. It's just uh, Anthony Look, Marshall. We, in, we, we have to have a wager on this, surely. I, I'm the, gonna, I mean, we both think but, he stays, though, don't we? But my issue, again, is not about Ronaldo. It's about Anthony Martial. Is Anthony Martial on the injured table the solution to drive Manchester United forward? Suddenly he's out with an Achilles table. What's who's playing yeah, there you now? Can't trust you him. That's the problem. So if you want to get rid of Ronaldo, okay, you have to replace him. Anthony Martial being injured is not the answer to Ronaldo's Charlie problem. Do it. Don't worry about it. Obviously, I'm wishful thinking, tongue in cheek. There, I don't know. I'm with you. I think if Ronaldo leaves, you definitely need a replacement. I think what the Glazers will do though is be like, "Here's your 90 million toy in Anthony." And uh, there's your striker, although he's obviously not a striker. So, and then we're stuck with Rashford up front, which I clearly doesn't work. Tricky. What one. do you do though? Because the name sort of potentially bandied about in regards not so much a replacement, but an attacking player worth 100 million pounds is Anthony. He's not a striker, so I'm I just agree. thinking. Okay, so do you then put Rashford in the middle, or Marsha, or let's say Rashford? Okay, Anthony on one side, Rashford oh, through God, the middle. God, well, is Rashford the striker? Right. Well, here's a player, a little bit of news. Yes, I'm on your side, Larry, but I was discussing with Rob last night at the pub. I don't know what the actual news is, but it does seem there is a little bit of um, murmurings happening about there. So do let me know where that sort of source um, originated from. He failed miserably at United. He can't handle it. It's not about ability. The guy's got ability. He can't handle United. We saw it. I don't think he has what it takes to succeed at Man United. However, the devil advocate in me, would, would it be a case of, He's learned from his time at Man United, and he's he, so he's matured because he wasn't mature when he arrived. He came in thinking he was Eric Cantona. He came in thought, oh, "I'm the big guy here. I'm going to win everything with Man United. The fans are going to love me." And he walked around the walked around the football pitch. And I'm just thinking, will he have learned from that? Because he's obviously gone and done very good things on the continent. I'm just saying again, I'm not saying going out and get him. However, if you do lose Ronaldo, and we do need a panic day signing, we don't want to be in a position where we're panicking on deadline day. But it looks like we very well could be. Could he be a player that comes in? If he's the player that comes in, I don't want to be here in 12 months with United not looking at a striker because our options are Martial and Memphis Depay. That's my concern. Long term, United need a gun number nine to compete with. If Martial keeps up the patches we've seen, you need someone to compete. Yeah. Oh, no. When does the transfer deadline close? Must be, I think it's the first or second of September, I think. Uh, it will be the same day United play is the same day it closes. So when's that? When are we? That's Friday morning for us. So it'll be a Thursday yeah, night. Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday night UK time. Well, I've got Friday morning also. Definitely watching the match, and obviously depending on what uh, what hour the deadline day um, deadline window does shut. Uh, make sure you are subscribed because um, we might do maybe a live stream as the clock ticks down. Because I'm sure this is one window, Larry, where we will be in it to the last hour. I think this will be one where everyone's watching Sky Sports and that clock sort of ticked down. 
And I think Manchester United will be dominating the headline. Sometimes it has been a little bit quiet. You're sort of thinking, okay, we might get a loan sort of thing, like at a Galo sort of thing. So I think something definitely will happen on deadline day, whether that's what we want, whether that's what we need. Okay, time will tell. But um, I definitely think it will be a busy busy day. And obviously, talk, <laughs> there'll be a football match, <laughs> which will obviously occupy a lot of our time. But um, are you confident in getting the deal or a deal um, over the line that sort of is the right decision? I don't think even I don't even believe United should be going for Anthony Meat. I, I really don't. Just it's not my money, so I couldn't give a shit about that. I, I just we know how this club works. We know how the owners work, and they will basically be like, "Here's your ninety million signing." Where next season we're gonna we're gonna have another transfer window where we sign Fred, Diogo, Delo, and Lee Grant. I promise you, because they're gonna be like, "We're moving next year's budget to this year." And this is your new toy, and that's the way we roll. Whereas a sensible, and I gotta say, John Murta, I mean, this is probably a whole separate video. You gotta say he's failed this transfer window. He, he hasn't brought in the players he's needed. Casemiro clearly wasn't first choice. And then after all of this, we still need a striker. We the still first need choice. The, look, I argue, and I'll put Arnold and Murta in this. This first choice argument, and here we are. No one sat here more than me saying you have to go and get the manager's first choice. That's what you have to do. However, we are in the Europa League. There are big clubs out there who are obviously looking for players as well who are potentially more attractive options at the moment. So we place this demand on the manager and the board to go and get the first choice. However, we have to be realistic. That might not be the case. We might not be able to... Someone's first choice might be Lionel Messi. I'm sure he's Bolton Wanderer's first choice. They're not going to go get him. There's that Bolton not backing their manager. But there does need to be a case of sort of realisticness in here. I'm just thinking... I, I can't be overcritical of the club, in, in my opinion, on the Frankie Dion in regards to not being able to get him. Now, my issue yeah, with the Frankie Dion case is we should have walked away earlier. That's my issue yes. in, in terms that's of not being able to get the player. That's still a yeah. criticism of the, 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 the criticism's not the, the criticism's not not getting the first choice. Agree. No, I agree with you, but I'm with you. Ten Hag needed the best opportunity to go into this season with as little hiccup as possible. Frankie Dion. We heard mm. these murmurs at the end of June. We're, we're on the verge of September. It's unacceptable that this is carried on this long. I tell you, mate, and uh, without going into too much detail on it, I promise you that United hierarchy, because Mason Greenwood is still on the payroll, playing or not, <clears throat> that plays a factor. I mean, to us, we're looking at the players that are available, but to United, you have a striker. He's just not available, and we're paying him £75,000 per week to not play. It'll be interesting if Ronaldo leaves on loan, who starts paying his wages. It does unfortunately look like it could be Man United, but Emad here saying, is the European window open past that date? Is that still a thing? That, that's not a no. thing anymore. I remember there was that season where the English Premier League shut a, a month before the Europe and it was just horrendous. They did it for and two think, seasons, didn't they? I think uh, all the clubs they... said, hang on, what is happening here? And um, yeah. thank God that is um, definitely over. But um, yeah, that was a nightmare. I think Arsene Wenger was the main sort of instigator in that, wanting that to happened but they didn't discuss with the um the european leagues they said stuff that we're going to do our business when we do want but is there anything else to do want to discuss man united wise or something we've missed no let's, go uh, just, notes, notes. let's let's look forward to leicester who are going awfully i gotta say uh around the premier league some very interesting results overnight harland is on fire i know we hope for a slow start but a hat trick definitely isn't that uh, so absolutely killing it. Liverpool, massive result. Bournemouth were pathetic, I must say. Um, but massive result for Liverpool. So that'll that'll do them mm. a world of good. And I hate to say it because Arsenal fans are the most annoying breed that have lived this earth. 
they're clear top of the league and you have to say credit where it's due they are playing really good football yeah, no, they're doing very well and um, exactly what they need. And I think he's not me saying Mikel Arteta is a great manager or he, he should be the Arsenal manager or whatever. Ultimately, they're reaping the rewards of showing a little bit of faith in him. Now, whatever we think of these behind the scenes holding light bulbs and drawing hearts on bits of paper sort of thing for the cameras, ultimately they've st stood by their manager and whatever we think, if they're good enough or not good enough, they're getting the results. Now, that is where I think Man United, unfortunately, have to learn from a club like Arsenal, who's a very sort of dominated in the media in regards to the controversy and headlines no matter what happens there's always going to be criticism you need to sort of stand by that and stick through it because Manchester United haven't done that over the past with Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Solskjaer, even Ralph Rangie sort of thing everything plays out in the media and Man United do panic in terms of changing these managers that that is where Eric Ten Hag does need to be afforded this patience now unfortunately we don't like this that might be how long has Arteta been in the job now years now three years or something it might be three years yeah. until Eric Ten Hag we start to see the <laughs> Benefit, but that yeah. is where well, we we do need to look forward to the th in the next three years. We can't be making judgments over three months, one year, or even two years. Um, that patience is so so vital for me. Yeah, paramount. Uh, but see, so like if you see the way we performed yesterday, if we got a draw in that game, and then we end up finishing fifth on the back of those types of performances, you keep Ten Hag because the performances are there. You're seeing a level of improvement but maybe you need to improve the personnel. The, the criticism for me has been sacking managers where it's clear that there is no progression, no level of improvement. But we have to be patient. I mean, I look at United squad right now. Can you hand on heart tell me it's the fourth best in England? It's not. So if United get top four, they're overachieving. Yeah. Yeah, so no, no, look, I completely agree. Yeah. But um, as I said, make sure you are subscribing because I'm sure there'll be a Leicester preview in the coming days and obviously i'm sure there will be a new signing or a departure or something which will definitely go live and react to it as well so make sure you are um hitting that like on the video that'd be great and ads make sure you are subscribed if you are new um larry obviously you were um, missing last night from the pub but if you are in the live chat and have anything to mention about the pub last night um for those sydney reds do get it in because it was a cracking night larry i'm telling you now obviously if we left the pub and it was a one-all draw and it had the exact same night, it wouldn't have the same feeling. It would have felt like an absolute disaster. So obviously the result does play a good part, sort of good part in remembering the night. However, it was just, it's, again, I always make this point in regards to supporting Man United. It's not about the football. It is not about the football. Yes, it does play a part. And yes, it does sort of make you happy when we do get a result. And if we don't get the result, you're absolutely depressed. I understand that. But having a few beers with mates, okay, singing songs, having a chat about Man United, the result, in my opinion, for me is secondary almost. Yeah. No, I, I take your point. I said this all along, uh, and I said it to every Red I met when I was in Manchester for the Brighton match. I absolutely loved the day because, yes, obviously I was bummed about the result with Brighton, but I got to meet top Reds. I got to meet people who I hadn't – I saw people who I hadn't seen in years who live in Manchester. You, you get to the pub, you're drinking with people, you're singing songs pre-match, you walk to the stadium – that's what makes the day. It's, of course, the result is why we're there, but it's not everything. Uh, and I'm with you, Tom. It's just it's about meeting people, interacting with people. Can I say Victor Lindelof hasn't made a single match day yeah. squad? Speaking of outgoings, I think there might be something in that. Definitely. Uh, was he on the bench? I think he was on the bench for this one. I think. Was he? Was he? I don't know. I need. Well, I, I remember in the, in the last press conference, Eric Ten Hag said that he's back, available. Um, over a potential injury at the start of the season. But um, do correct me in the live chat if I'm wrong there. 
but Justin here saying the amount of ahs and yes in that pinball machine moment yeah, when Ericsson had that chance in that first half, it was um there was there was just a funny moment at the pub having a heap of people he wasn't not out of the clear. It wasn't on the bench, was he? But um Ashby here, good to see you last night. Fantastic atmosphere, great company. Even better that we got the result. Look, it is just simply, in my opinion, obviously, while I've said it's not about the football, it's the result that sort of was the icing on the cake. And just last one here, any news when the next game at the pub will be, um, Adam? Unfortunately, uh, Manchester United, Europa League and the World Cup uh, means it's very likely we're not going to get another kickoff in 2022 because obviously the season finishes a little bit before December, or the year finishes before December. And obviously all our games, the clocks will change at some stage as well in the next coming weeks. And obviously Man United's games will all be moved to a Sunday. I think there's a stat going around that Man United don't have a home game at Old Trafford on a Saturday. Uh, for the remainder of the year, which is crazy. But um, that is a debate for the ticket holders and Sky and whoever sort of does these fixtures. But um, for the Man United Supporters Club, as you can see, there is, um, the, there's a link in the description below to sign up. Um, a lot of people in the live chat are members of the Supporters Club, but we don't have a friendly kickoff time on the horizon in regards to, okay, going out and watching Man United at the pub. But supporters here in Sydney, um, our next charity match is in the works um, in regards to 11 v 11. Um, in Sydney, where we, the Man United Supporters Club here, play against another supporters club in a game. Um, so if you are in Sydney, um, obviously they are always very enjoyable to get down to because, one, you're always going to get goals, you're going to get red cards, you're going to get laughter, you're going to get good football at times. It is obviously always a very good um, day out. So make sure you stay tuned to all the social medias for that. I'm sure Larry and I will be donning the boots again. But um, until then, Larry, um, and I keep asking anything I miss. I'm, I feel like I miss a huge bit of news and I just don't know what it is. Mate, you're on your own. Something's uh, happened. I'm not sure. <laughs> Something's happened in your head, that's for sure. But uh, no no major outgoings, no major incomings. Eric bay has gone on loan, but we've already covered that. Th there's not much to cover, but I, I think we'll get a surprise this week, whether that's an incoming or an outgoing. Can I ask you, just before we wrap up, uh, Anthony, where do you sit on that? Ajax turned down a ridiculous amount of money. The player has now done an interview with Fabrizio Romano, which is nuts. So I think I, 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 I think it happens. Uh, I think it happens now because Ajax, okay, it's good for them to say, okay, no, we don't accept that bid on deadline day. So there's 90 million pounds in cash on the table. It would be stupid. It would be it would be criminal if they don't accept that. Now I'm not saying that it's the right thing for Anthony to come to Man United. He's a perfect signing. I just think for them to turn that money down for a player who doesn't want to be there and with Anthony or without Anthony, they're still going to win the league. I think that's absolutely criminal. Uh, I'd, I'd be filthy if I was an Ajax fan not accepting that bid. Um, I think it happens. Um, we'll have a debate whether I think it should happen or you say good that, Tom, In 2009, where you're saying United are crazy if they don't accept 80 million pounds for Ronaldo, because I can promise R you I wasn't. R Ronaldo wanted to go, it was one of those ones that Ronaldo achieved at United. Anthony's achieved at Ajax, and I think it was one of those ones that they're hell bent on going. Ronaldo for years wanted to leave, and he sort of got his head down and achieved and fought for the team. So, Alex Ferguson got the best out of him. Anthony now has been successful at. Um, Ajax, okay, yeah, different times, different sort of inflation prices in regards to what's 80 million now, what's 90 million now. But, um, what about I just the can't... player's character? What do, you, what do you make of him going to Fabrizio Romano and openly being critical of Ajax? I don't think that that's very professional. So then I have to ask again the second it goes wrong at United, yeah. is he the side of player who's going to sulk or is he the sort of player who's going to pull his socks up, dig in, go hard? That, that it's, it's definitely a, a concern, and you're right in regards to the professionalism. What I would say, and this is just trying to sort of keep some positivity around the signings, if he does walk in, we're going to have to fall in love with him. We can't have sort of 
we can't be on the start the relationship off on the bad on the wrong foot. I'm just thinking the positive I would take with his desperate play for Eric Ten Hag and Eric Ten Hag forget Manchester United forget professionalism. I think Anthony wanting to work with Eric Ten Hag and Eric Ten Hag get the most out of him. I think that would fix things. I think he's just got to a desperate, desperate stage now. Could you imagine young kid from Brazil going over to Ajax, fighting for them, winning winning everything with them? Suddenly you're going to get your dream move to the biggest club in the world and the, the club who want you are going to pay double what you're worth. So there's no reason why your club shouldn't accept the bid. And the club is saying, no, I just think I can understand. Again, I don't agree with him going to Fabrizio Romano and sort of putting pressure on the club in the way that he is doing. But ultimately it is understandable to a degree, in my opinion. I think he's right to be aggrieved. I just, I question a level of professionalism because if he does it here, I think it's very likely he could do it somewhere else. And then yeah. if he kills it at United and Real Madrid start calling, is he going to do the same thing? So, you, you know, anyway, nonetheless, I'm with you. I think it'll happen. I, Ajax, they just, he's put them in a corner and I think yeah. they're just going to scramble to get someone in and let him go. Well, they're not going to get that price for him in 12 months' time. So... That, that's what I mean. I think regardless of the Man United situation, I just think Ajax themselves, they'll do it. I just think they need to. It just makes too much sense for them. But um, look, we will be definitely going live when that does very likely going to happen um, in a day or two's time. So do make sure that you stay tuned for that. And um, until then, make sure you do leave a like on the video on your way out and we'll chat to you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.